Welcome, and thanks for listening to the third episode of We Are Architecture, the podcast created by architecture students in the AIAS chapter at Penn State. I'm your host, Chiara, and today I have the pleasure of introducing you to Professor Ross Weinreb. He has been an instructor at Penn State since 2010, and today we are going to talk more about the role he serves as a career advisor. As you'll soon hear more about, Ross has a diverse professional background, not only being involved with alumni, faculty, and students in his now day-to-day -day basis, but being a licensed architect in the states of Florida and Pennsylvania. He also has experience in commercial and residential high-rises, educational buildings, and historical preservation, among others. Thank you for joining, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Now it's just a little bit of introduction. Thank you for being with us on AIAS. Um, we're in the third episode of the series, and this podcast it was released as an idea to connect with alumni and connect with faculty and connect with staff and show all those the diversity that we have in the department. Oh, so great. thank you for being with us. Sure. And first question, very broad, and I bet you have had this since you're, you were in undergrad, but why design? Why architecture? Yeah, I um, from a very early age, I was fascinated and loved drawing. Um, I just I gravitated towards uh, more orthographic drawings and like geometric drawings and not freehand so much. Like I really enjoyed um, proportions and, and um, symmetry. Uh, and I was fortunate in my uh, high school. I had there was offered a there was a four year um, drafting program so you could take drafting classes it was like engineering drafting and architectural drafting uh, where you learn how to use you know hand draw things and use AutoCAD at the time uh, so that really just um, it, it made my love for architecture grow there and so I knew I basically knew from eighth grade that I wanted to do this and that's um, that's where it started and then I eventually went to Virginia Tech um, because they were one of the top programs at the time I was from Florida Miami and I went to a college fair and the person at that booth was super friendly and super nice and I knew it was, it was a good architecture school so that's where I ended up and from there it's you know where I'm at now. And you've mentioned before that there were a lot of paths or different um, aspects of architecture you've taken so professional alumni connections uh, as a student and as um, a professor so what why are these paths um, so different and how have they enriched you? Yeah, I mean, I would never, when I was in your shoes in undergrad or grad, well, I guess grad, I do, but, but when I was an undergrad, I, um, I thought I was going to be like, not like Franklin Wright or Frank Gehry. I thought I was going to be like this, like, you know, big designer, rock star architect, like that's what it was. And then I learned that the industry is not always that way. Like it's, you know, teams and, collaboration and um, uh, a lot of uh, managing and, and organizing. Um, so when I was in the field, I found that I was not doing as much design as I thought I was going to do, which was originally problematic, but then I found that I was gravitating towards project management and um, organizational um, activities and, and streamlining things and, and making things more efficient in the office which at the time I didn't realize how valuable the skill set that was. Um, and then 
after time, I bounced around to a couple different firms just because of moving from one city to another and then eventually moving here to Pennsylvania. So I got a good range of experience at small offices, large offices, um, firms that did uh, residential, firms that did high-rise, firms that did um, uh, K-12 and things like that. So I had a good range of experiences and I did not see my future anymore. So you know I was just saying like, I always wanted to be an architect, but then I started losing myself like five, six years into the industry. And I was like, I didn't feel like I was being fulfilled in the way that I wanted to be. And I didn't know why. Uh, and it happened to work out well with, we had moved here to central Pennsylvania State College for a different reason, for, for my family reason. And then Penn State being in my backyard, I... So you know what? I'm going to apply to grad school and try to teach because I feel like my skill set works really well for teaching now. I'm licensed. I'm a licensed architect. I've uh, worked at three or four different offices over seven years. Uh, I know the industry, and I feel like my skills and my I, I feel like I'm good with people would work really well in education. And I also myself had some very um, influential teachers along the way like in high school that person or that those four years i was telling you about was the same teacher and she was like like a light bulb for me because she was just so impactful for me um and then in college i had some good professors some bad professors uh so i felt like i could do that so i went to grad school here at penn state in 2010 uh, and while i was in grad school i was teaching because i already had my license and i just fell in love with it and i kept my foot in the door uh, after I graduated and eventually the career advisor position opened up, which I had never thought of. Uh, and Murdad, who was the department head at the time, thought I would be a good fit. And he asked, he was trying to find ways for me to be a full-time faculty, not just part-time um, adjunct instructor. And I immediately loved this thing, like loved career advising because it's so rewarding. Like I, I can, talk to students about the career paths. I can talk to students about um, connecting with alumni. And it's just a very rewarding, positive position because I'm just helping students on their path and there's no negative anything. It's just like, I'm, it's always positive. It's just like, you know, I'm helping students. So I find it um, very, very fulfilling. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so like the alumni part is just part of this job, is part of... Um, career advising throughout the years i just meet more and more alumni students like yourself become alumni and then we still stay in touch um and that's really helpful for current students to stay in touch with or to get in touch with those uh, alumni so that's that's just part of this job and uh, it's one of the really the, the many benefits to it i think you've mentioned like something super critical of fulfillment and i believe that as students or young professionals or even at any point in our career we come to this crossroads of should we continue or maybe a job or a place that I'm not feeling fulfilled yeah. or should I switch? Um, what made you take this leap of faith and be like, I'll, I'll try it. Why not? Yeah. It's weird. I'm, I'm a planner and I plan my day almost to the minute and not exactly, but I very, I, I'm very micro, I micromanage my day. But I have no long-term feelings about anything, if that makes any sense. Like, I shouldn't say about anything, but like, I don't think very far ahead. Mm -hmm. But that's actually worked to my advantage because it kind of just, as things present themselves to me, 
I'll think about it. I'll try them. If it doesn't work, okay. If it does, it does. So an example recently was I was the assistant department head for the last two years um, where Dodd asked me to do that uh, while we were going through the accreditation process. And I was very curious about the administrative side of um, education and I hated it. It was awful. <laughs> like I, I, well, I shouldn't say that. It was rewarding in its own way, but um, my skills came into play very well. Like I could organize. I was very good at it. I did not personally love. Um, how do I say that? I mean, it's not working with faculty is fine, but it was a different dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I also just didn't find it nearly as fulfilling as everything else I was doing. Like you were saying, was being fulfilled. Um, so I, I stopped doing it. I just said no more. So now I'm back to career advising and, and teaching full time. Um, but yeah, I, I've always been like, if it's not working, like, why am I pushing through this? Like, why am I, why am I trying? Now, with that said, though, you shouldn't just give up immediately. You should always give everything. I feel like you should try and see and make sure you're making that right decision. But you shouldn't force something if it feels um, wrong, I, I think, professionally. And I, I might be overreaching, but I see this attention to detail uh, throughout your life. You mentioned from drawing like more geometrical spaces, like clear lines, everything fine, precise, to connecting with people. I feel like connecting with people has it's its own art. You have to see the their many reactions, their body language, and I think that all of these talents have been showing up throughout your different paths. So, what would you say is your strength that has just outshone everything throughout every path that you're like, I can rely on this strength. I think, I mean, not to sound, I don't want to sound conceited or anything, but I feel like I can talk to anyone about anything. And I didn't always think that way. I thought I was an introvert in high school because I was not popular and I had a hard time with people, but it was because I had a hard time with kids. <laughs> like I could not talk to kids. I could only talk to adults. Like I could talk to teachers. Uh, when I was younger, and that skill has continued as I've been older, and I can pretty much talk to anyone about anything, and professionally, personally, any of that, it 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 is it works. It, it helps me in any situation, really. Um, second to that would be my organization and um, attention to detail, I think, and that's obviously more professionally um, focused. But uh, those two have stayed with me and I've, I've learned about myself. And this is what I like to tell students too, is that, you know, you might have an idea of where you're going and where you're headed with your work or your, you know, life in general, but keep an open mind to that. That might not, that path might not look like that. Um, it, it might for a short time, it might for a long time, but it might change. It, it, you have to be okay with that change. Um, the economy might come, like might crash. It might, you know, you, you never know, where you're going to be, but it's, it's it, what I want to get out of that is that learning about who you are as a person and as a designer, what your skills are in what area is important because architects are generalists. Sure. But understanding what your specialty is and what you're really good at is super critical about your, your path. I agree so much. I feel like in interviews, it's constant that they will look at the hard skills and they will ask, like, what about Revit? What about AutoCAD? What about Rhino? Um, and trying to um, make that those soft skills shine, like your ability to connect with people and adapt, I think is something outstanding. And I want to ask, like, what is um, 
a skill that students tend to make the underdog. Like they don't think it's that important or that they don't think it's valuable to mention in interviews mm -hmm. and they should be mentioning it more. They should be saying like, I'm very adaptable. I'm very yeah. bright. And I love to learn. Like, what are those skills? Yeah. I, it, I, it's hard to answer this because everybody's different right. and you have to kind of look internally, look away, look, look outside of studio and be like, what do I do with my friends, with my organizations, with my family? Like, what are things that I find myself doing a lot with them? Whether it's like, like I said, you know, being able to talk to anyone or like you said, like with, you know, um, being outgoing or, or whatever, those are good skills to, 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 to mention in an interview, uh, a little bit more, um, Technical, I would say, is with resumes and portfolios, I get a question a lot about, oh, I, I really enjoy photography, or I really enjoy painting, or I really enjoy fashion. Should I include that in my portfolio? And my answer is always yes. Like, I, I mean, it, it's yes if it's something you're proud of, if you're happy with, and it's something who, if it's something that shows who you are as a, not just a designer, but as a person, because the portfolio is a representation of you, yes, as a designer, but also as a person. So your aesthetic, your skills, your interests. I wouldn't put your photography or extracurriculars at the front of the portfolio, but I would include it towards the end as just like, a, this is something I like doing. You never know how that will connect with an interviewer or, um, you know, a, a, a firm representative. Like, you just never know how that will connect you to them. And you shouldn't be afraid to put something in a, in a portfolio because you think you're not supposed to put it in. Right. Right. Um, yeah. This completely reminded me of this alumni that we met um, with a professional practice firm called in New York City. Uh, he works at a real estate firm and he was a professional wrestler or a wrestler for Penn State. And he mentioned in, in his presentation that he got more calls and, and questions about being a wrestler than being an architect. Yeah. Yeah, that's so that's a very good point, because I, I had somebody in my office this morning who she works with a wrestling team. Uh, I believe this is a manager. Um, I can't remember the exact title, but I love that that's on her resume because it, it can be a conversation starter, um, an icebreaker. I've seen students including stuff on their resumes about being a lifeguard at like Bethany Beach in Delaware or, or Ocean City or whatever. And I'm like. They asked me, like, is this important? I'm like, I think it is because, first of all, it shows that you have experience in, in sometimes tense situations or intense situations. And then it also shows that your interests aren't just architecture, aren't just landscape architecture. It's something else about you that makes you different. And how do you feel that being this connection or this bridge between professionals, professors, and students is? Like, what are the trickiest parts of it and the easiest parts the easiest parts for sure are getting students or getting alumni to connect with students alumni love it they love it so like i mean granted they get busy so sometimes i'll send an email and they might not answer in what i think is a reasonable amount of time yeah so the the easiest part is definitely connecting with alumni um faculty can sometimes be a pain um <laughs> just because sometimes like they don't think it's academics is the most important and the profession will be the profession when it is. Um, which I understand, like, you know, you're supposed to do certain things in undergrad and, and studio, but studio is not your life. Like studio is a part of your life. Um, the hardest part I would say, um, the hardest part is, um, 
don't know what the hardest part is. Like, I would say it's probably just um, sometimes with students, like making sure that they follow through because sometimes I'll make that connection for them where I send them an email or I'll connect them at a career fair or whatever. And the student either doesn't show or, or they, they don't respond quickly because I think they probably just get nervous or they just forget or, or, or whatever. And that makes me look bad because I'm like, I might have this alumni who graduated 20, 30 years ago that has, has a moment for you, but then they don't follow up, but that doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't, there's really not many challenges with this job. It's pretty easy to connect with students and alumni and faculty. And I know that a lot of people come to you with portfolios and, and resumes to review. I've done it myself yeah. several times. Um, what are the biggest issues you see in either portfolios or resumes that it's easy to fix and you tend to mention a lot? Yeah. Um, so clarity and labeling <laughs> to me, I think is an issue that I see. So like, this is goes back to the studio versus the profession studio. You're relying on your boards to present most of the time. And you're there talking it through in like a speed, you know, what is it like five, 10 minutes, depending on how much time you have a resume and a portfolio need to be able to stand alone and be, be defensible on their own without you there. So if you're not clear on the portfolio with what we're looking at or what they're looking at, or, or if it's not presented in a, in a, in an efficient, clear way, it might confuse the viewer on what they're looking at. And that might not be the, what you, how you want to portray yourself. Like even as simple as like a North arrow or like a scale bar or a key plan, like if that's not in the portfolio because you didn't need it for your board or it wasn't part of it, like that couldn't deter people sometimes because they're like basic thing is understanding North, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, is not over designing the resume. I've seen that as an issue where, where people will overload the resume. They'll have like three columns. They'll have like these like intricate patterns and colors going all through the, the resume or um, they'll even put images on the resume or like giant icons of the software that they know like Revit and whatever. I'm like, are you advertising for Revit? Like I don't, you don't need to do that. The resume needs to be designed, but like, in a way that's clear. So I would use, you, know, you can use colors, you can use like nice fonts uh, that, that match with your portfolio. But uh, if the resume is not efficiently conveying the information, like, you know, who your name, obviously with your contact, where you went to school or are going to school, any previous experience, even if it's not exactly applicable, um, any extracurriculars, any awards, and the skills are super important and delineating your level of confidence in those skills. Mm -hmm. This is the other big one that, I, that I'm hearing from alumni and industry reps. They really don't care so much for the self-ranking of software or skills. Like, you know, when people do like the five dots or circles or stars or whatever, um, what they prefer in my experience is at least a level of confidence. So am I proficient in uh, Reddit? Am I um, knowledgeable in, um, you know, or whatever it is. So like, in other words, if I'm proficient in that, that tells them on day one, I can sit down at my desk at an internship and use that, that skill fine with no, with no help. If I have knowledge in it, that tells them I might need a little bit of help the first few days, but then I'll be okay. So those probably are the most like, again, the portfolio conversation, I think 
when students say like, should I have this or, or should I not have that? The content to me is actually less important than the clarity uh, for me. The content is obviously important. I shouldn't say it's not important because that, but that's for you as a student and the faculty to work on together. Mm. That's your work. I'm not judging your work when I'm looking at a portfolio. I'm just asking, does it read well? Like, can I understand this? And do I get a good picture of who you are as a designer, your skills and your um, aesthetic? What usually would you recommend is a good number of pages? Page. Yes. Yeah. I so... 30 pages is probably the most I would mm -hmm. suggest. Um, anything under that is usually good. However, when you get to fifth year or if you're like in, in, in a grad program, you're going to have a lot of work. And I, as a personal thing, I wish I had made myself a comprehensive like portfolio of all of my work, all of the records of everything I've ever done into a nice book that mm -hmm. could be whatever, 100 pages if I wanted to. But that's for me. But then for a, a job application, I don't think it should be much more than, than you know, somewhere about 20 to 30 range, just because they're not really going to look at every page in detail. And if you provide too many pages, they're probably going to skim through ones that you wish they had spent more time on. So that's why lately with fourth and fifth years at a career fair, for instance, I suggest a work sample or a selected works where you pick like two or three projects um, and to highlight because you want to make sure that they see them. And then at the end of that, you can say something like um, full portfolio available upon request. Mm -hmm. And then you can show them the full portfolio at like an interview. Right. And on the other end of the spectrum of the previous question, have you had a, a resume or a portfolio that just stood out to you and you, were, you still remember it? I'm, there's been a few throughout the years. Um, And I think it's because I'm jealous <laughs> <laughs> because the work is so good, but also like, I really appreciate the people who can, who can successfully show an image or a rendering and then like next to it have like, as if it's at a gallery where it's like the title of it, what it is, and then like the media use. Mm -hmm. And it's like the simplest, cleanest representation of who you are. Mm -hmm. And like, I find myself drawn to that. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, I see really nice portfolios that are like loaded up, that are just like tons of information and it's very clearly laid out and it's clearly a very uh, competent, detail-oriented student. But it's like those are on the two ends of the spectrum and I think they're both very, they can be very strong on their, in their own right. Mm -hmm. I tend to personally gravitate towards the ones that are more like almost a like gallery style, which is ironic because I'm not that kind of person. Like I'm much more like technical and much more... Um, I'm not as artistic or as on the design side as I thought I was when I was an undergrad, mm -hmm. but I find myself gravitating towards those sorts of portfolios, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I wonder, now as the last question, Sure. what is the biggest advice you can give uh, to a student now looking for jobs or internships that might not show up in, in a normal meeting or in a yeah. normal... Uh, So this is taking me years to really think about and learn. And it's something I've been telling students more and more lately is that especially for entry level, but but also for internship um, conversations, it's a conversation. Like what you and I are having right now, this is how an interview or a conversation with an industry rep should go. It's really about finding the right fit, not just for them. Like, yes, you need the job, of course, but you want the job, you need the money, whatever. 
mm-hmm. but they need you, right? And like, if you don't fit in that culture that they have or in the type of work that they do, you're not going to be happy there and they're not going to be happy with you probably. And then it'll probably not work out. On the other side, if they are not providing things for you, for your, you know, for your mental health, for your physical health, for um, your, your work-life balance, like that's on them and you shouldn't be there either. So it really is, you're basically establishing a professional relationship with somebody. So look at it as a, like, almost like a date, as, as weird as that sounds, like at an interview, it's like, we're, we're feeling each other out. Like, who are you? Who are you? not just you, but who, who's the firm that you're representing and who am I and does this work? Right. And I can say that as someone who has a job, that's a lot easier for me to say, (laughs) but like, I understand, like when I was working, when I was going out into the field, I was just like any job, whatever I need it, I'll take it. Got it. But then over the years, you know, I would, I told you, I, I, I was unfortunately, but also fortunately able to go to a few different offices, like for about a one and a half to two year period for each of them before I came here to Penn State. And like, I saw so many different types of office cultures. Like I worked in some really awesome offices that they were like so helpful in learning, helping me learn and like grow. And then there's other offices that were like so toxic mm-hmm. where I was like, I couldn't, like when we were out away from the office, like all we talked about as, as colleagues was how shitty, excuse me, how, how bad the office right. was. Um, but I also learned a lot in those situations, but I learned how to not work, if that makes sense. Like I, I apply a lot of that from that toxic office to how I teach and that I use almost little to no negative reinforcement because I don't think that that's helpful to anyone. I'm usually very positive when it comes to teaching because of, I mean, I think of who I am, but also because of experiences that I've had. So anyway, I think I'm going off on a tangent here, but basically like if you can, mentally get into that zone of this is a two-way conversation not just me needing something from you it will put you in a much better place for uh, those interviews and for hopefully a, a, a good job that was perfect yeah thank you so much sure yeah I, i'm very happy that um you asked me to do this because i feel like students like i'm not in stuckman a lot because mm-hmm. uh, i teach ae studios over in the engineering units um, so students know me as the career advisor, but I don't think they realize that I'm one of them or was one of them. <laughs> I'm a little older now, but like, I know what it is. I know what you're going through and I'm, I'm trying to help as much as I can. And almost the best part of my job is almost everyone when they get up, at least the first time that they come into my office and they, they leave, they're always like, that was really helpful. And they're taking almost surprised. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't get insulted, but I'm like, yeah, I know that's what I'm here for. But but I love that. I love that they understand like the value of this. I wish I had someone like this when I was an undergrad because it's just, I wish I, it would make me feel much more comfortable with the whole process. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah, thank you.